Ready? Hello, Hello spooky friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. It's been two very, very long weeks. Yes, it has. I feel like even though we've been doing a lot of stuff, like it always just feels weird when we're not recording and releasing episodes constantly. Yeah, and I'm really big on like promoting everything, obviously. So it's been weird not having anything to promote and like watch because I'm also one of those social media stalkers who like um, checks and sees like how many views it has, how many listens it has. <laughs> yeah. So I'm watching. But welcome back to season three. Yes, this is Emily. And this is Jennifer. And this is Beauty and the Screams. Screams. <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. <laughs> but yeah, so a lot has kind of happened in the past two weeks also. Yeah. I don't really care at this point if I offend anybody or not with what I'm about to say. But I... And Emily both completely and fully promote and think that Black Lives Matter is very important. We do not condone hate. We do not. No. But we acknowledge that we are not discriminated against. And it sucks because, I mean, I don't wish I had that privilege. Yeah. And I hate feeling like people that I care about... Are treated differently because I love them just the same and I mean yeah it's well like it took me a long time to realize that there really was a problem because I don't um, face it well no and it's not even that it's just that I don't feel like any of those ways towards them oh okay I feel like they're, they're exactly the same as us just like the color of their skin is different I, I guess know. it's just been hard for me to wrap my head around because all I see is that person for who they are, mm-hmm. not the color of their skin. And let me tell you, some of the most beautiful people in the world are African-American women. They really are. And some of the hottest dudes in the world are African-American men. So, like, <laughs> That's come not, on. Definitely not a lie. <laughs> What's his face? That Shamar Moore guy that Grandma likes from... Shamar um, Moore, Denzel Washington, Morgan yeah. Freeman... But then you think about, like, the women, too. Like, there's Rihanna and, um... Michelle Obama. Beyonce, like... Michelle Obama. Yeah, we can't forget Barack Obama. I forgot him and the beautiful African-American men. I still remember you, like, when... Didn't Grandma get you a card for your birthday that had his picture in it? Yes, and my mom, um, (laughs) that... The first year that he was, like, running for president... He hadn't even actually won the election yet, but my mom got me a calendar of Barack Obama because I love me some Barack Obama. I mean, it's crazy to think, though, that we had an African-American president and this stuff is going on. Yeah, and now this is happening. And to the people out there who want to say that... Which Which tells you how much that really bothered the other side that we had him in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to get on, like, political stuff like that on that bandwagon because that just starts fights. But oh, yeah, that's true. I, I'm i just saying, like, we made that much progress and this is what's happening. We're going backwards, America. 
Yeah. We should be going forward and changing and being better versions of ourselves and not repeating history, which obviously has proven itself to not work in the first place. So anyone who needs to know, us at Beauty and the Screams are fully Black Lives Matter support, LGBTQ support. I support everyone. Yes. Everyone. Because I feel like... Everybody has a right to their own opinion, and everybody has a right to just be able to be who they are, and, yeah. Yeah, and I'm a full supporter of women's rights. I'm a full supporter of women having the right to their own body. Mm -hmm. I, full support. I don't think men should be able to have any opinion about what we do with our bodies, because it's not theirs. It's another hashtag. Hashtag me too. Yeah. (laughs) So... We just wanted to talk about that, but we're going to transition and make it a little bit lighter. Yes. Because you know me, and I can't stay in the dark forever. She got to make it spicy. Yeah. Throw some sriracha on this bitch. Sizzle. (laughs) I'm unsure of what has been happening through... Should we tell them what we saw today? Yeah. So, we decided today we were going to take a road trip and get some food at Panda Express because it's great. So, we drove from Burlington to Muscatine in Iowa. So, that is roughly like 45 minutes to an hour drive. Yeah. To get it, pick it up, drive back, and we wait. It waited and ate it here. <laughs> but on the way back... Between Muscatine and Wapalo, what did we see? We saw a fucking funnel cloud. So basically the beginning of a tornado. Let me just tell you, like, I have lived a miraculous 34 years. And since I was a little kid, I always was like, I want to see a tornado. So I'd be like looking at storms outside instead of taking shelter in the basement. And I saw one today. Yeah. So, check. I know. I, like, sent a picture of it to my friend, Jessica, and she kept telling me how jealous she was that she wasn't with us. Like, tornadoes are scary and, like, destroy everything that they, like, touch. But, like, they're still a part of nature and they're very, like, beautiful. And I wanted to see one. And I got to see one today. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing that I felt like I ever wanted to see in my life, you know? One of those things, because nature can be so unpredictable that Mm -hmm. anything can happen, and it can change directions, do whatever, and bitch, I will be so far out of that path. I will be states away from that path. I would have told Melissa to fucking step on it if uh, I had seen it shift. I was watching it the whole time to make sure it stayed going the direction it was in. Well, I don't give a fuck. I don't like it. Like, I give Melissa permission to drive my car, like, as fast as a fucker will go to get away from a tornado. <laughs> um, there was only one person that had a normal reaction, and that was one of my other friends. And he said, get out of there. <laughs> Literally, the only, per- <laughs> like, the only person that had that reaction was our niece. Yeah. Like, get the hell out of there. 
That's how I was feeling on the inside, but also I love to be scared, so it was like that adrenaline rush that like I live for. Yeah. Like, it was pretty great. I loved it. Um, I would like to tell everybody that I got Jennifer to watch the beginning of Annabelle Comes Home. Yep, and then I abandoned ship. She abandoned. I don't even, I made it farther than halfway, didn't I? Mm, did the girl get locked in the room already? And then she heard the piano playing? Uh, yeah, she heard the piano playing, that's when I took off. Okay, so you're probably about halfway through. I was like, nope, can't do it anymore, gotta run, bye. I know, and then I laid in there by myself and watched it for a little bit longer, and I was like, man, it's not the same without having somebody that's scared. Because, like, it makes it made me jump the first time I watched it. It made me jump a couple times. That's because you've seen it so much, you know where the jumps are. I've only seen it one time before. So then you can prepare yourself for the jump. I had only seen it one time before while I was watching it with you. Still enough to know kind of sort of where the jumps are. I didn't really jump that much. I think I jumped a total of two times, and it wasn't any of those, like, out-of-my-skin jumps. They was just like, ooh, it got me. And I was like, ooh, girl, don't answer that phone. Why are you answering <laughs> that old phone that you know doesn't work? Oh, the devil's calling you. But yeah. I think it was scarier because it wasn't really like Annabelle doing anything. It was supposed to be like her evil had like inhabited all these old like possessed objects. Mm-hmm. So all the things came back with all those energies and that that was what made it scary was because it wasn't like just one movie based off of The Nun or like one movie fa- based off Annabelle. It was like everything. And it scared me. There was even a werewolf up in that motherfucker. Yeah. You didn't see that. Did you see the werewolf? Yeah, because he was chasing the boy. Oh, Bill. Remember, he, he, Bob. He'd been pl- Bob's got balls. Yeah, because remember he was playing her music out the window, and then they disappeared to come downstairs, and he was like, where'd she go? And then they came out after out of this, like, fog and oh, got him. Oh, yep, yep. That that happened to Bob's Got Balls. Did he die? Spoiler alert, no, he does not. None of them do. Thank God, I was so worried. I was like, poor Bob. Like, he was cute. And I thought his voice was cute. It was cute. And I wish he would come to my window and play it. And serenade you from the Yes, window. play acoustic guitar for me. You and have a window. <laughs> you I will, will I will have a bedroom window soon. So ah. just, just wait, boys. I'll let you know when I have one. Hey, and if you pick um, one of the ones on the front side of the house, like I told you to, because they're a little bit bigger, they um, have windows that are over the porch. They just be right outside. But here's the thing. I don't want to be, like, walking through the house and be like, who's singing outside? Because I'd probably just, like, turn the TV up or something. <laughs> but but I want person. someone to throw little tiny pebbles at my window, Romeo and Juliet style. And then I throw the window open and there's just this beautiful symphony of serenading coming through the window. And I'm like, oh my god. I love you. And then they whisk me off into the sunset. Sing us a song. You're the love of my life. (laughs) Sing another song for me. Oh my God. That's what I always said because you know how I always like joke about marrying Anthony Ranieri. Yeah. Who, if anybody listening doesn't know who Anthony Ranieri is. Maybe Anthony Ranieri will come sing for you at your window. Oh, listen. 
You do I, have a signature on your shoulder. I do. Permanently. I'm marked by him. So basically, she I belong to him. to him. Like property. Yes. I am not. <laughs> as I'm over here like, women's rights. I'm like, I belong to him. I am his sex slave. Oh my God. <laughs> Did I take that too far? I mean, okay, if you're willingly going to be his sex slave, that doesn't really make you a slave. Because you can't, like, be a slave if you're willing. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll act like I'm not willing. I'll fight back a little bit. Okay. Give him a good old slap. Like, stop it. Stop touching me. I don't like that. Keep touching me. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's like the exorcist when I'm in bed with someone. <laughs> I also fucking... throw up. I'm going to die. Like, literally die. I also projectile vomit everywhere, just like the girl in The Exorcist. And then, like, we're projectile vomiting all over each other, and we're like, Bleh. Like, more lube for the tube, right? <laughs> I was about to say exactly. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to tell everybody that I have a off. well, I had an awful sunburn. Firstly, I would like to say... I was applying 30 SPF all day, son. Like, all day. I literally put it on. Here was my problem, though. I don't know if it actually makes a difference, but I did not put it on before I went out in the sun. Does that matter? Uh, if, I think you're supposed to put it on, like, 15 minutes before you go in the sun. Yeah, well, what did I do? I sat on the beach at... Big Hollow Recreational Park because that was the only place I could find to go swimming that day and it was 90 degrees outside. Oh girl, what if, I don't know if it works this way, but what if you got a burn in that first like 10, I to, trapped like, it 10 to 15 minutes and then you put the sunscreen on top and it just like made the burn worse. Broiled me, like oil, greased me up. I'm never <sighs> waiting to apply sunscreen until after I've been in the sun. <laughs> Just, just in case. Just in case. Okay, so basically what happened was I put the sunscreen on, and like luckily, thank God, I actually did have sunscreen on, because I think my my burn would have been way worse. Like my body would have been like my scalp is right now, probably, or worse, because I finally put a hat on, because I didn't even feel that my scalp was burning, but my little sister saw that my scalp was like red, and so she's like, put this hat on, and she put it on my head. Well. My scalp is so burnt, I had blisters on my fucking head. Then they all popped, and I had fucking gross blister liquid <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> gross. <laughs> and then it was so gross because they would still, like... Like, let's describe this in the worst way possible. Yes, because then they would, like, weep when they were, like, real, like, fresh. Oh, poor and I had to... I took a shower night before last when I... No, last night. When I went to bed. Yeah, because you had to get the, the vinegar out of your hair. Yeah, and I had, um, like, with really cool water, not, like, completely cold, but, like, a nice, cool, nice, cool stream. I used, like, like really softly, I rubbed, like, shampoo on there, and then when I put my conditioner on, I kind of just avoided my scalp. Mm -hmm. Um, and I woke up this morning because I went to bed with a wet head and, like, all the spots where that stuff was, my hair was like 
stuck together and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was so gross. That's why I wore my hair braided, and it's just gross. So wear sunscreen on your head, people. Or a hat. Or both. Or both. And put your sunscreen on before you leave So the indoors. Those of you who don't know us, um, we are of European descent. <laughs> and our skin is as white as the freshly driven snow. I will admit that I think I burn more easily than Jennifer does. You probably do. Well, but I wasn't outside very long either. That's true. Well, I allow myself to be in the sun more than you do. I don't because I don't want skin cancer. Fuck that shit. Well, no wonder your ass is depressed. You neglect yourself with that vitamin D. No, I go out there. I take the dogs out. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? Hmm. You perv. (laughs) <laughs> I've already had cancer once. I don't want it again. Damn, girl, just throw that card out there. <laughs> okay, well, now everybody knows Jennifer doesn't want cancer. No. Well, I'm like, no matter what it is, no matter how, like, advanced it is or how unadvanced it is, like, that word is terrifying. Yeah. Like, I still remember being in the doctor's office and then the her telling me that. And as soon as that word came out, well, she said cancer cells, so that they'd found cancer but cells. But cancer came out before cells. So. Yes, but as soon as that word came out of her mouth, like I just like, I was staring at her and I was looking at her and she was talking to me, but I don't remember anything else that she said. Like. Because you just had, like, thoughts uh-huh. going on in your head. Yeah. And yeah. after she'd been sitting there talking to me for, like, a minute, she turned and started telling David the stuff because I think she could tell that I wasn't, like... Taking it in. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. I was like, I don't know what to say. I just took yeah. a, another <laughs> twisted turn. Another twisted turn. Another twisty turn. <laughs> like a curly fur. Oh, I want curly fur. Anyway... Oh, going back to the um, <laughs> the sunburn story. Oh, God, okay. So, me and my friend Kevin had bought floaties to go float a couple weeks ago. Well, it was really windy out, and the, I don't know, there was, like, waves even in the water. I was like, Kevin, we're going to get blown the fuck away. So, we didn't blow them up. Well, when me and Melissa went swimming at Big Hollow... We aired these fucking floaties up. Mine was like just one of those basic like chair floaties with the mesh in the bottom and a cup holder, but it was like a watermelon (laughs) and it was so cute. I loved it. And it was the perfect, I mean, honestly, I should probably get on target.com and give it a review because it's like really the mesh bottom. Yeah. And it's like very thick mesh to the point that like. You, I mean, I reached up when Melissa was in it and dug my nails and tried to rip it, like, on her booty. Nothing. So, I, oh, obviously, wow. my asshole is safe. And I feel like that is the most important thing. <laughs> and that would be my review. Like, this is a sturdy freaking floaty that I got, I think, for, like, 15 bucks. It's And it's great. Like, it's big, four feet wide. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's just like a chair thing. I don't know. It's, so you could probably sit sideways in it too, yeah. with your head up and your feet over the. Yeah, the girl arm. um, on the box is sitting sideways in it. I want one. Target, bish. 
But anyway, and then Kevin being like six foot five thousand. Um, six foot five thousand. <laughs> he gets this slice of pizza floaty that's a five foot nine slice of pizza. Let me tell you, I had to orally air up both of these floaties. Melissa aired up about like a quarter of her floaty. Well, Kevin's floaty. And then I had to finish it because I have the lungs of a god. You would never think that I'd ever smoked or anything with how powerful my lungs are. (laughs) First we get in the water, I have my floaty. Melissa hates the slice of pizza. So then the next time we go out, she's like, can I use your floaty this time? And I was like, sure, whatever. I try to get on this fucking slice of pizza probably 53 times and I flip over every time. I, I literally sucked pond water up into my nasal cavern. I literally probably have parasites in my brain. Probably. So that's all I had to say. <laughs> Very anticlimactical, but I, I literally was like drowning myself. So finally I was holding on to like the arm of Melissa's floaty and then one arm over the pizza and just like floating full body like on top of the water. Don't forget to check out the PFPN, baby. Yes. Check, check them out. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So, I'm here to introduce this week's topic to you, and this week I chose to do family feuds. One family hates the other family, maybe there's killings involved, maybe there's not, maybe there's a stolen milkmaid, I don't know. A stolen milkmaid? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe there was some land involved. Maybe there was some forbidden love. Some kind of conflict of some sort. Yes, you never know where the winds will take us. So now, Jennifer is here to tell you about a family feud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I started to burp and I was like, oh no. It was one I couldn't subdue so anyway yes jennifer is here to tell you all about her loathing hating families pew pew so you ready for this oh girl i have been ready so on the morning of december 18th 1889 edward o'connor a san francisco bartender turned himself in to a group of police officers saying I hit a man with a stick last night, and I think he is dead. So, O'Connor was very intoxicated, and he was reluctant to take the officers to see the body. 
So he finally led them to the home of his father-in-law, Henry Armstrong, where they found Armstrong's body lying on the floor in the front room. The floor was strewn with broken glass. Uh, There were clay pipes, cigarette butts, and a number of empty whiskey bottles and gin bottles on the tables in the uh, dining room. So basically, they were drunk as fuck. Yeah. Um, And Armstrong's wife was laying passed out on a bed near where the body was at. And O'Connor's wife, Sarah, who was just as drunk as her husband, became excited at the approach of the officers. And apparently, she was unaware of what Edward had told them. Mm-hmm. So, so she was unaware of what Edward had told them. So, she, when they come up, she says that there had been a shooting and it was accidental. But then she... <laughs> corrected herself, um, saying that Armstrong had dropped dead from heart disease. Oh. <laughs> so right right then, like, the cops were, like, tipped off that something was funky. Right. So O'Connor then explained, like, no, no, I am the murderer. I killed him. He abused my wife, and I shot him. So I don't believe that either. <laughs> yeah. Armstrong had begun throwing things at his wife, like O'Connor's wife. So he was throwing things at Sarah. Um, O'Connor explained, pointing at the alarm clock that Armstrong had hurled that was broken in the floor. Um, O'Connor had apparently then hit him with a stick, and then Sarah ran to get his revolver, and the gun supposedly went off accidentally when O'Connor tried to take it away from her. Um, examining the body, the officers discovered a bullet wound in Armstrong's left side. So, a little backstory now. <laughs> Sarah had married Edward O'Connor on November 7th, and the four of them lived together in this four-room cottage. <clears throat> and it was a, apparently a disaster waiting to happen. So since the wedding, the household had been destroyed of all moral purity and was full of drunken animosity. Oh my gosh, it sounds like my ex-boyfriend's house. <laughs> Um, Henry Armstrong, who owned the cottage, was bitterly opposed to his daughter's marriage and had threatened to throw everyone out. He was a confirmed drunkard with a mean disposition and had been arrested two years earlier for feloniously assaulting Sarah. Ooh, so Sarah already don't like you. Mm-hmm. That's her dad, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Edward, O'Con- Edward O'Connor was also a drunkard. And his first wife had recently secured a divorce on the grounds of cruelty and intemperance. Oh, shit. I can't say that word. I shouldn't have used it. <laughs> um, that night, all four had been drinking heavily. So basically, he had a temper. Yeah. So and they, he was... They were all drunk, and they were all mad, and yeah. So, it was... Mr. O'Connor, right? Mm-hmm. Mr. O'Connor with the revolver in the library. <laughs> I like it. So once everyone finally sobered up, the police managed to piece together the events of the night before. Armstrong had come home drunk at about 9 p.m. and everyone else had already gone to bed. Sarah got up and prepared supper for him and then took a bowl of soup up to her husband and a drink of liquor to her mother. 
Armstrong apparently became angry that Sarah had not brought him a drink, so he verbally abused her, saying the dinner was not fit for a dog. Becoming becoming increasingly angry, Armstrong began throwing things at her, including a uh, chimney lamp, the the ones that have like the oil in the bottom with the lights on top, like what grandma or the glass on top that grandma has that she uses when the power goes out. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, So he threw a chimney lamp and an alarm clock at her, and the noise woke up her husband, and he grabbed his cane. And then rushed at Armstrong with it, intending to give him a clubbing. Armstrong evaded the stick, rushed into his room, and shut the door. O'Connor turned to go back to bed and was surprised to see his wife approaching with his his bulldog pistol in her hand. Oh. So O'Connor grappled with her and managed to take it away after the gun went off. Thinking that nothing was wrong, the two went back to bed. Two hours later, Mrs. Armstrong called out saying that her husband was hurt. They thought she was fooling and paid no attention. She insisted they come, and when they did, they found Armstrong on the floor, very weak and faint. O'Connor went to get some whiskey, and when he returned, Armstrong was dead. Why'd he go get whiskey? I don't know. To get more drunk? Maybe to try to clean the wound. It was 1889. I don't know. But when when he figured out he was dead, they went to get the police. Maybe he knew he was about to die, so he went to go get whiskey to, like, pour one out for his homie. Like, Maybe. R.I.P., dude. But, um, so, Sarah claimed that she had not intended to use the pistol. She wanted to hide it so her husband wouldn't use it. So, Sarah was released, and Edward O'Connor was held for murder. Ooh. At his trial the following March, O'Connor was found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to five years in San Quentin. That's all for killing somebody? That really trips my trigger. Yeah. How crazy. Very crazy. That shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Sarah was just trying to take part of the blame. Is that? Or make it seem more like it was more accidental? Yeah, I think she was trying to make it seem like he wasn't shot. Like it had just happened yeah but she didn't know that her husband had gone and claimed that he was the murderer he'd killed her or he'd killed him which i kind of wonder actually if maybe what really happened is that sarah actually shot him and her husband took the blame for it yeah maybe he's like nah my girl don't need to be getting her salad tossed up in the penitentiary maybe he was worried that like it was it was her who did it and she was going to lose, like, an inheritance or something. Oh, maybe, yeah. And so he wanted her to still be able to get the inheritance so that when he got out of jail in five years, like... They could live like fat rats. Right. Damn. That's for real. That's my theory. I like that theory. Because, I mean, the dad kind of sounded like an asshole. Mm-hmm. First of all, if any man, let alone a relative were to say to me that my meal was not fit for a dog, I'd be like, yeah. Because excuse the fuck out of me, this is a damn delicacy. And a dog don't know the difference between a piece of shit and a (laughs) filet mignon. So like, no, this meal was not intended for a dog. So I'll take my plate back from you, you fucking nasty bitch. I would be pissed. 
Yeah. If I was Sarah, I would have shot him too. I'd have been like, listen here, you old fucking bastard. The only thing you're good for is what you're going to leave me. Bang! You're also the kind of person that, like, if you were raised to believe that that was okay, like... I wouldn't have stayed. You would have ran away. Hell yeah, I wouldn't have stayed. I would have been like, deuces. I'm going to be out here hitchhiking on wagons. What year was this? 1889. Yeah, I'll have somebody come pick me up in their horse-covered what Or their horse-drawn wagon. I'll fucking go make my own destiny. Well, I guess now it's my turn to shed some, um, no, let's say. Because you can't put, you can't add light to it because. It's true. So basically I'm here to educate everybody on a group of people, two families known as the Hatfield and McCoys and they're actually a pretty infamous, like it's a very infamous, probably the most infamous family feud um, that's ever been documented. So it took place pretty much from about the mid-1800s up until like the beginning of the 1900s. Ooh, so we're, we're going about... Yes. About where mine was. Yes. Okay. So the only other family feud I had ever heard of was the fictional family feud and Huck, the legends of Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, and like the one from Romeo and Juliet. No, 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 but... Well, I never... They're both fictional. I never watched or read Romeo and Juliet. I went only watched the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, but I don't remember it besides his face. I almost asked a really stupid question. Well, anyway. Um, but yeah, Mark Twain wrote about a feud between the Grangerfords and the Shepherdsons. And it was basically, he's, he claimed that it was about a different family feud, the Darnell-Watson conflict, mm -hmm. but judging from what was written and what was acted in the movie also, it is much more closely related to the Hatfield and McCoy feud. Okay. But if you remember in Huckleberry Finn, the younger son dies. Yeah. Because he gets shot right in front of Huckleberry Finn. So that kind of tells you where this is going. Yeah. So basically, um, the feud began between two men. There was Randolph McCoy, who everyone referred to as Randall. And then there's William Anderson Hatfield, who everybody knew as Devil Ants. Now, they don't really know why his nickname was particularly Devil Ants. But there was a quote that was said to be from his mother that she said he was so mean even the devil was afraid of him and i'll be honest with this story devil ants is pretty ruthless so so it all started on the west virginia and kentucky border in the wake of the civil war um the mccoys sided with the union and the hatfield sided with the confederates and the feud basically was described as being like brother versus brother neighbor versus neighbor like it was kind of like everyone was just feuding mm -hmm. so randall's brother asa Harmon. sorry i'm just like imagining in my head them being like pew 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 at each other all the time but they have like muskets <laughs> <laughs> blunderbusses yeah <laughs> 
So Randall's brother, Asa Harmon McCoy, on October 20th of 1863, he joined the Union in the 45th Kentucky Infantry. So he was captured by rebels on December 5th, 1863. So he was held captive for four months and then was turned over to a Union hospital to recover from a gunshot wound to the chest. Uh, He came home and during the time he was home... Oh, wait. He came home, and during this time, Moe's Christian Klein, who was Devil Ants' best friend, was attacked by a group of of Pike County guards, um, and they were led by William Francis. And the friend did survive the attack, but Ants vowed to retaliate against the responsible parties. So sometime in 1863, a group of Confederate home guards ambushed Francis. Oh, with all the feuding going on, well, Asa was away at the war when he returned. He was murdered by the Hatfields in 1865. Okay. So, as we know, the feuding continued, and in 1878, there was a battle over a hog. Okay? But from what I read back in those days, one hog could feed a family of four for 30 days. And they needed the meat for protein for the families, because if you look up pictures of these families, they're huge. Yeah. Huge families. Obviously, no contraceptives, no no birth control, and obviously they was just fucking all over the place. So what happened was Floyd Hatfield, Ants' cousin, was accused by Randall McCoy of stealing his hog, claiming that the markings on the hog's ear were McCoy markings, not Hatfield markings. So the trial took place where the local magistrate lived, who just so happened to be a Hatfield, Anderson Preacher Ants Hatfield. So, obviously, the Hatfields won the trial due to the testimony of an eyewitness, Bill Stanton. So, guess what happened? After the trial ended, Stanton was hunting and ran into two of the McCoy brothers, Sam and Paris, and Stanton was killed. One of the McCoy brothers was injured and the other was left unharmed. And they both were acquitted of their charges on the grounds of self-defense. Seriously? Yes. So now, Devil Ants had a son named Johnsy. I think I'm saying it right. Johnsy. I I watched so many videos and listened to so many people talk, but I don't remember if that's how they pronounced it. So, basically, Johnsy spends one day with Rosanna McCoy. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. He comes home and he's like, to Devil Ants, he's like, I want to marry her. Okay? Mm-hmm. And Devil Ants is like, fuck no. Like, those are my enemies. And he's like, I love her, Dad. I love her. So Dad's like, okay, I'm not going to let you marry her, but she can come live with us. So basically, she, um, Roseanne, Rosanna, Rosanna leaves the McCoys and goes to live with Johnsy and Devil Ants and all them in their cabin in the woods in West Virginia. And Johnsy still refuses to marry her. And then, obviously, they're fornicating. Mm. Forking Katen. And she ends up pregnant. Mm-hmm. Johnsy still won't marry her. So, you know, she gets upset and she decides she's going to leave. And she tries to go home. To her dad and her dad says absolutely not get the fuck away from this land while you've got that devil baby growing in your belly oh shit yeah so basically 
Rosanna goes to live with her aunt through her pregnancy, has the baby, and at eight months old, the baby dies. So, not even six months after the baby dies, Johnsy marries Roseanne's cousin and daughter of Asa Harmon McCoy, Nancy McCoy. Yeah. And talk about shitty, like, I'm assuming it had to do with the fact that Rosanna's father was Randall, not so much that she was just a McCoy. Yeah. But, and also, maybe Johnsy was just a fucking dick, and he thought it'd be funny as fuck to do all this stuff, like... You know, we're, we're coming in physically for the men. Let's come in emotionally and fuck up these women. Or maybe he was like, mm, like, she's good in bed, but she ain't that great to look at. Like, But her cousin's pretty cute. Yeah. I'm like, give me some of that Nancy. But also think about the irony and the fact that he married the girl who his father murdered her father. Um. So maybe she married him as a Lloyd's like get in and kill somebody too. I don't know. But then in 1882, Devil Ants' brother, Elson, was murdered by three of the McCoy brothers, um, Robert, Famer, and Bud. They stabbed Ellison 26 times. Jesus. And then finished the attack off with a shot. Bang! All three of the brothers were arrested and, or, and were taken to Pikeville to stand trial. However... Devil Ants intercepts them while they're being transported and basically kidnaps the brothers, takes them to West Virginia. And at this point, um, Devil Ants' brother wasn't dead yet, mm-hmm. but once he had died from the injuries that the three McCoy brothers had inflicted on him, he tied the three boys up to pawpaw bushes and each of them were shot numerous times. They they described the bodies as bullet-ridden, and from what I read, at least 50 shots were fired in, like, equal, like... Like, into all of them? Yeah, like, accumulated 50 shots. That's a lot of shots. Yeah. Now, as bad as all of this, the feud escalates even more on New Year's Eve, 1887, just before the dawn of 1888. And the Hatfields, of course, because they just seem like that kind of family got drunk as skunks, and decided that they were going to take care of the McCoys once and for all. Oh, God. Get rid of all of them. So, led by Vance and Cap Hatfield, they rode to the McCoy cabin where the entire family was sleeping, and they opened fire on the home and then set the home on fire. Two of Randall's children were murdered by the Hatfields that night, his son Calvin and his daughter Alifari? Alifari? Um, and his wife was beaten to the point that she almost was killed. And Randall and the remainder of his family escaped to the woods and they were not prepared for, you know, winter weather. They were in their house sleeping. Mm-hmm. So numerous of the family members suffered from frostbite. Um, and they moved to Pikeville to escape the West Virginia raiding parties. So the state of Kentucky hired a marshal known as Bad Frank Phillips. <laughs> who was said to be a tough, mean, and ruthless man. <laughs> in an attempt to track down the Hatfields, Frank Phillip led a posse to the border into West Virginia. But the Hatfields were armed and waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah! Mm-hmm. So the battle went on for quite some time, but the Hatfields were eventually apprehended because I believe they were probably outnumbered. And after their surrender... Tough, mean, and ruthless, Frank Phillips shot and killed Deputy Bill Dem- 
Dempsey after the Hatfields had already surrendered. So he was like, nah, you ain't getting off that easy. Bang! Because my name is Bad Frank Phillips. (laughs) I think of him like an outlaw. Yeah, and I see him like spinning his guns on his fingers. With chaps and... Like, who is it that shoots off the trigger finger? uh, Pecos Bill? Yeah. So basically, um, Wall Hatfield and eight other members of the Hatfield family were arrested for the murder of Alifair McCoy, who was killed during the New Year's Eve massacre. The men were tried in Kentucky, and they were all found guilty. Seven of the men received life imprisonment, but there needed to be blood for blood. And Ellison Cottontop Mounts was the sacrifice. So he attempted to retract his confession to the murder, stating that he was innocent and had only confessed with the hope of leniency. Mm -hmm. So, of course, his retraction was denied, and Ellison was hung at the gallows, and thousands of people attended his execution. Wow. And so then he was was buried in an unmarked grave within sight of the gallows. And his final words were, the Hatfields made me do it. But that's haunted there. Yeah. Well, and no one, this is a crazy thing. No one had been sent to the gallows for 40 years before him, and not another soul was hung at those gallows after him. He was like the that's last. That's how bad he was. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. So, and now the hanging site, interesting enough, is now the site of a classroom at the University of Pikeville. That's weird. So other Hatfields who were arrested were Valentine or Uncle Will Hatfield. He, he died in prison. And then two of his son-in-laws, Dark D. Mahone. I'm assuming I say Mahone. Mm. And he only served 14 years and then returned home to his son. And Pleant Mahone, who also served 14 years. And then Pleant actually returned home to his ex-wife because she had remarried. Mm-hmm. But when he came home, she left the second husband and just went back to life as usual with him. So the, con- the trial continued on for years until 1901. Um, the trial for John Z. Hatfield was the last of them. It had gotten to the point where they were just all fucking sick and tired of fighting. Sick of it. So they, Devil Ants and Randall McCoy said, no more. And the crazy thing is with all the people who died in this feud devil ants and randall mccoy lived into their 80s jesus <laughs> there's a place in pigeon ford tennessee that has a musical comedy dinner show about the hatfield and mccoys wouldn't it be funny if they like at the end of their lives like went like cheers and like poisoned each other like themselves well you know you never know to continuing the feud for another hundred years and death but yeah like i was saying there's a place in pigeon forge tennessee has a musical comedy show, and it's all based off the Hatfield and McCoys, and I've been to Tennessee twice, and I have not gone, so now I have a reason that I need to go back, Four because years. I think that sounds so yeah, good. Yeah, because we didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, definitely not. So, what are your thoughts on the Hatfield and McCoys? That's crazy. I told you, when we were doing... And it was literally just, like, the... Like, the... The, fa- the, the family, The fathers, basically. Yeah, and they everyone didn't like just... each other, and so then like the kids kept killing each other. Yeah, and I do want to say, John Z. McCoy. I wish he had been the one that got hung, not Ellison, unless Ellison was literally like just a brute old bastard. But John Z., you know, 
did some real dirty stuff, you know, emotionally, physically. Yeah, I feel like he, like, mind-fucked everybody. Yeah. Or at least it was an attempt. I feel like he went home and told his dad, like, hey, I'm in love with this girl. Girl, I'm telling you what, I know so many girls that would fall for that shit. Because for some reason, girls like the bad boys. I mean, I've been guilty of it almost my entire life. Until now, I was like, you know what? I'm not chasing after these hopeless cases anymore. Because it's hopeless. And I'm already hopeless enough. <sighs> but yeah, they uh, that shit was crazy. I don't know. I... I guess I didn't even realize how bad it was because I actually did not know who the Hatfield and McCoys were, even Mm -hmm. though I'm like, I'm sure everybody knows, but it's because I assume everybody knows but me because I literally think I live under a rock sometimes with the things I don't know. But me and my mom were actually walking to the cemetery on Memorial Day and there was a Hatfield, I believe. And my mom was like, where are the McCoys? And I was like, what? And she's like, the Hatfield and McCoys. You don't know who they are? She mentioned that we should do family feuds. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh, so this idea came from our mother. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Yep. So I did the family that she talked about because I wanted to know because she made it seem real legit. And let me tell you, it was real legit. Hell, I didn't know either, so glad she told you to do it. Yeah. Because it was fucked Ooh, devil ants, you wild bastard. So I have another little story for you. Oh, do you? I do. So this is actually the first story that I found, but I decided to save it for last. Because it was the best? Uh, yeah, well, and it's, it's short, too, so I figured save the short one for the last. I have graciously titled this one Wedding Day Massacre myself. Oh. Because that's how short it is. <laughs> oh. Hey, it, you haven't seen the movie Ready or Not, but that's a wedding day, and that movie was like an hour and 40 minutes. Okay. Well, so this story is about, well, it starts with Trinidad Romer who was a healthy young Mexican guy that was living in uh, Douglasville, Texas, just a few miles southwest of Abilene. And he was in love with the daughter of Julius Lorinsky. Clarabelle? (laughs) Is that her name? Uh, No. Daisy? No. Oh. Anyway, so... (laughs) Um, so he was in love with the daughter of Julius Lorinsky, who was a Polish settler, but her, her affections were fixed on someone else. Uh Uh-oh. So Miss Lorinsky was enamored with Nathan Sorosky, who was another Polish immigrant who had very little to offer her other than his love. Sometimes that is enough. I know. I know. I'm not knocking it. But, Mr. Lorensky preferred the wealthy Mexican. Oh, no. And told Romer that if he could arrange to put Lorensky out of the way, he would give him his daughter's hand in marriage. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Not long after this, Nathan Sorosky disappeared from Douglasville without a trace. Oh, my God. So, he just fucking murdering people. So, 
Trinidad Romer. Trinidad Romer married Miss Lorensky on November 11th, 1893. All the fucked up shit be happening in November. Mm-hmm. I was born in November. <laughs> the fucked up shit. <laughs> um, so the ceremony was followed by a lavish feast at which Romer bequained. Bequained. <laughs> at which Romer became quite intoxicated. Again, another, all these alcoholic families. And he began loudly boasting of killing Nathan Sorosky with the help of Julius Lorinsky. This changed the mood of the celebration and so enraged the bride that she attacked her husband and attempted to cut his throat with a butcher knife. Oh, fuck. Get it, girl. Mm-hmm. Take him down, blood for blood. She was prevented from doing this by her father. And now, believing that they were all in this league against her, she turned the knife on herself, slashing her throat from ear to ear. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. That's quick thinking. Shocked and enraged by his... er, Shocked and enraged by his daughter's death, Julius Lorinsky placed the blame on the groom. He grabbed his shotgun and emptied both barrels into Trinidad Romer. Oh, God. So this entire tragedy could easily have been averted because Nathan Sorosky had not been murdered. Oh. Nope. Romer had sent him on a wild goose chase. About a month before the wedding, Romer had hired Sorosky to travel to Eddie, New Mexico to see a man about a projected cattle deal. Yeah. But it was fake. It wasn't real. Oh. So, when he reached his destination, he learned that the, nobody had ever even like heard of the guy that he was supposed to be looking for. Right. And so he came, he turned around and went back to Douglasville Arriving the day after the wedding. So after everybody was dead. Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, at least he wasn't <laughs> dead. That's most yeah. I can say. I thought you'd like that one. What an asshole, though, to be like, <laughs> I killed him with the help of your father. Like, I feel like he wanted her to think that her love was dead. Yeah, so she'd like... So she'd like... Give herself to him like completely instead of just like kind of like do not even wait for him baby because i killed him yes did but no he didn't fucking boasting about something you didn't even fucking do (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what i got damn daniel See, it was important for me to share this with you, but it was just too short to have it be my only story. Well, I'm honestly glad you saved it for last because so many more people died. Yeah. Fucking throat slash and shotgun pumps and... I wonder if there's still family feuds that go on. I'm sure there is. Probably. They probably just don't talk about it that much. Like, it's one of those things where, like, somebody's going to unearth it out of a news story somewhere, like, 50 years from now, and then make a movie about it, and then, you know. Yeah, they find, like, a bunch of dead bodies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So I guess that's all we have for you guys today. So like usual, that's all there is. There isn't anymore. But yes, so make sure you like us on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on whichever platform you listen yeah. to us on. If you can, rate and review on iTunes. Get us up there so more people can find us and love us too. Mm -hmm. So, until we meet again next Friday. Y'all come back, you hear? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's appropriate with the time frame we put all of our stories came from. That's true. Bye! Later. Bye.